Tonight, we are in Galatians chapter 5. We're going to pick it up in verse 7. Pastor Tyler left off last week in verse 6. So picking it up in verse 7, will you follow along as I read? Paul writes, you ran well. Who hindered you from obeying the truth? This persuasion does not come from him who calls you. A little leaven leavens the whole lump. I have confidence in you, in the Lord, that you will have no other mind, but he who troubles you shall bear his judgment, whoever he is. And I, brethren, if I still preach circumcision, why do I suffer persecution? Then the offense of the cross has ceased. I could wish that those who trouble you would even cut themselves off. For you, brethren, have been called to liberty. Only do not use your liberty as an opportunity for the flesh, but through love serve one another. For all the law is fulfilled in one word, even this, you shall love your neighbor as yourself. But if you bite and devour one another, beware, lest you be consumed by one another. Let's pray together. Father, we thank you for the freedom that we have in Christ. And Lord, I pray tonight as we look at your word that you would teach us, that you would instruct us, that you'd help us to see clearly the dangers of legalism and also, Lord, what it means for us to walk in freedom is to demonstrate and to really live by the law of love. So we give you this time tonight in Jesus' name, amen. In the classic movie, Chariots of Fire, who here has seen the movie Chariots of Fire? Okay, there is not enough hands going up. This is an incredible movie. Next week, we're going to show it. No, I'm just kidding. But it is. It's an amazing movie. It's maybe a little slow for the the younger generation, but, but it's an incredible movie. And it's all based upon the life of this Olympic runner by the name of Eric Liddell. And Eric is is having a conversation with his sister. And she just didn't understand his love and passion and drive of running and his interest in competing in the Olympics. She thought he was wasting his time because she was convinced that he was called to be a missionary, which he eventually would end up doing. So she's having this conversation with him and just trying to say, you know, are you really sure that that you're doing what you're supposed to be doing? And he responds in this way. He said this to his sister. All I know is that God has made me fast and I feel his pleasure when I run. I love that line. All I know is God has made me fast and I feel his pleasure when I run. And that's what all of us really, you know, I think are desiring to experience when we're doing what God has called us to do, that we sense and feel his pleasure. Well, in reality, the Christian has been called to run. Oh, not physically, 
But spiritually, we are in a spiritual race. The Bible likens the Christian life to that of running in a race. In fact, in 1 Corinthians chapter 9, Paul writes there about the race and he says, don't just run to run, but run to win. And so the Christian life is likened to that of running in a race. And Paul was fond of athletic illustrations. I think if Paul was alive today, he'd be one of those guys, you know, wearing his charger jersey, or maybe that's a bad analogy for San Diego's now. He'd be wearing his Raider jersey. Actually, no, Christians don't like the Raiders. Um, he would be wearing his Dodger jersey. That was, that's who he'd be wearing, you know. But he was that kind of guy, that he was, you know, a guy who was into the athletics, and he liked using athletics in his analogies. And so he writes in his letters about running, about wrestling, about boxing. And his readers were very familiar with the Olympic Games, as well as the Greek Games and the other contests that almost always included foot races. And so Paul here returns to the the race analogy once more when he says, you ran well. He's saying, look, you guys had a great start, but we know if you've been watching the Olympics, how you start doesn't matter, right? It's how you end. We've seen some of those races where somebody just starts off super, super fast, and then all of a sudden they start to peter out, and the person you know, comes blazing by them. He says to these guys, you ran well, but then he says, who hindered you? You guys there in verse 7, you were running so well, but who hindered you? And in this tonight, we're, we're going to see that Paul lays out for us the dangers of legalism, because that's really what has happened to trip up the church there in Galatia. And the word hindered that he uses here is this, and this is what the first thing we want to note about legalism, is that it hinders our spiritual pro- progress. Legalism hinders our spiritual progress. The word hindered is an interesting word that signifies to break up a road so that it's impassable. It's the idea of taking the road that you are running on and it gets broken up so much that you can no longer run on it. That's what legalism does. It hinders our spiritual progress. The Galatians were doing well until someone broke up the road that they were running on. It's as if someone threw a huge obstacle in the way that made it impossible for them to pass. And so they were hindered from progressing in the faith. They had been shackled by the weight of legalism and tripped up by the pressures of a performance-based acceptance relationship with God. The idea that God is only going to bless me and I'm only going to have favor with God if I'm performing in a way that is that he's going to accept. That I've got to keep this standard that's been put before me. Instead of going forward in the faith, the Galatians, they were stuck. They were even going backwards and some had been knocked out altogether. You know, running is a sport where lightweight, unrestrictive apparel is essential. 
You know, you see people that, that run. You know, you see some guy that's running and they, they wear those tiny little, I mean, I, they're kind of obscene, if you ask me, shorts, right? If any runners here, I don't mean to, uh, offend you, but, but you know, they're these short, light, lightweight shorts, lightweight shirt, lightweight shoes. That, that's what a runner does, as light as possible. You don't see a guy running in a cross country race wearing ski bibs and ski boots. You don't see a guy running in a sprint carrying a sack of potatoes. Now, the whole idea is to avoid anything that is going to slow you down, anything that is going to hinder you from reaching the goal. Now, what's interesting is prisoners, on the other hand, prisoners, on the other hand, are often transported in shackles. Why is that? Because they don't want them to run very fast. The goal is to keep them in check. Well, legalism is like a set of shackles. It hinders us. It binds us. It's a, it's, it's a set of shackles that is designed to keep Christians from moving in the freedom that they have in Jesus Christ. For the Christian who is trying to run bound by the shackles of legalism, the Christian life, it's a chore. It's, it's a drudgery. There's no joy in it at all. Legalism eventually sucks the life right out of them. And that's what was happening to the Christians here in Galatia. They came to Christ and were set free. And they started running. They started going for it. They were running well in their following of Christ. And then the legalists showed up. And they said, if you really want to be saved, you need to follow this system. You need to follow Judaism. And specifically, you need to be circumcised. And that message suddenly left the the Christians in that region of Galatia. They were all messed up. They were all confused. They were running free, but it was like someone threw a load of weights upon them. And when that happens, the Christian life becomes a burden. It becomes a whole set of have-tos and have-nots. And the way I like to put it is is you you get on what I like to call the performance-based acceptance treadmill. And it never stops. And you're just always going and always going. And you can't push stop. And there's, you're never ever going to reach the right level. You're never ever going to satisfy the standard that's going to make you in a place where you are accepted by God. And we can become consumed when we get caught up in, in legalism. We, get, we become consumed by external measures of righteousness rather than internal issues of the heart. And then we become, when we get all caught up in, in external issues of righteousness, we become cynical of others. We become judgmental of others. And it not only affects us, it affects everyone around us. Which is why in verse 9, Paul moves from the analogy of running to the analogy of cooking. Notice what he says. He says a little leaven leavens the whole lump. Legalism spreads like leaven. Now leaven in scripture is most often used, is most often likened to sin in the way 
that like leaven, you put a little bit of leaven, a little bit of yeast in the dough, it expands and it affects the whole bread. It causes the dough to rise. Well, that's what sin does. A little bit of sin spreads in a person's life. A little bit of sin spreads in a church. A little bit of compromise can affect the whole body. And here in this analogy, Paul is using this same analogy to illustrate what legalism does. Not talking here about sin, he's talking about legalism and that the same idea, the same truth holds a little bit goes a long, long way. It starts in a person's life. I've never seen somebody who was just a little bit legalistic. They might start a little legalistic. They might be legalistic in this one area, but pretty soon, just give them time, they start going down that road, and it affects every area of their life. It's not just an individual. It can also happen in a church. The spirit of legalism does not suddenly overpower a church. It's introduced subtly. In small doses. And like leaven, it just grows. And if left alone, it'll take over. But soon, it's prominent. Just give it a little bit of time and suddenly it becomes the prominent thing in the culture of that church. That that body of believers, that family becomes full of hangups and false standards of righteousness. And those who are in the quote unquote in crowd all walk by the same standards and they seek to impose those standards on others. And oftentimes, this is the problem, the standards aren't even biblical. They're not biblical. They're not from the Bible. Crazy things like a woman should never wear pants. That was something that was flowing through the churches, the Baptist churches in the South. Things that talk about, you know, how, how we should um, approach entertainment and what's right for everybody and how, how we should approach, you know, music and how we should approach, you know, drinking alcohol. And suddenly, you know, all these standards get put, somebody's own convictions, and they ignore what the Bible says. And suddenly the, the church becomes known for everything that they're against instead of what they're for. And it's easy when that happens to get off base. Think of it this way. Suppose you're sitting on a 757 jumbo jet that's headed to Maui. That'd be pretty awesome, right? Who wants to go to Maui tomorrow? <laughs> yeah, that would be awesome. Traveling's kind of crazy these days, though. But you're sitting there and you're just all excited about, man, I'm going to Maui. Tomorrow I'm going to be in Maui. And the the pilot gets on and says, hey, everybody, I um, hope you're excited about the flight. We, we just have one problem. Our navigational system, is it's off by just one degree. But hey, not a big deal. Enjoy the flight. It's going to be a great time. If I'm sitting on that plane, I'm like, I want out of here. Because you see, being off one degree from here to Oceanside is not a big deal. But if you're off one degree leaving San Diego and flying to Maui, you're going to miss Maui by 350 miles. You're going to end up in the ocean. 
you're going to be in one of those Shark Week episodes, you know, <laughs> if you miss, if you're off by, by just one degree, that's, that's what's going to happen. So it is, it's important. Well, that's why Paul says, hey, don't even start with legalism. Because it might not make any noticeable difference at first, but over the long haul, it's disastrous. But legalism is not just dangerous because it hinders our progress. It's not just dangerous because it's like leaven, but it's also dangerous to those who fall or who teach it. Notice what he says in verse 10. He says, I have confidence in you in the Lord that you will have no other mind, but he who troubles you shall bear his judgment, whoever he is. The NIV puts it this way. The one who is throwing you into confusion will pay the penalty, whoever he may be. Now, give me your attention. I think every single Sunday school teacher in the room, every single Bible study teacher, Every home group leader, every circle group leader, every single one of us that are involved in in the teaching of God's word, we need to take to heart what Paul is saying here. Paul's saying, look, those who are causing you to get entangled in legalism will bear the responsibility for what they are doing. In other words, it's a serious thing to handle the word of God. That's why James said this. Let not many of you desire to be teachers knowing that you shall receive a greater condemnation or a stricter judgment is the way another translation puts it. So all of us who are involved in teaching need to approach our calling seriously, prayfully. Because in 2 Timothy chapter 2, Paul said, Be diligent to present yourselves approved to God, a worker who does not need to be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of truth. We who are teachers and leaders have a huge responsibility to make sure that what we are teaching is biblical. That it's in line with Scripture. That it's not our opinions. It's not our personal convictions. Because we will be held accountable for our handling of the Word of God. Handling the Word of God is serious business. Now, apparently, what Paul says in verse 11 is that these false teachers were trying to say that Paul also taught you need to be circumcised in order to be saved. And Paul says, if that was true, why am I still being persecuted? If I was teaching circumcision, all the Jewish people would love me. But that's not the case. You read the book of Acts and it's like deja vu because Paul goes into one city, goes into the synagogue, starts to tell them about Jesus and that he's the way to salvation, not in following the law, not in circumcision. And riots happen. People, you know, they're beating Paul up. They're dragging him outside the city. They're throwing rocks at him. And that would just happen over and over and over again. Paul went from being the champion of Judaism as a persecutor of the church to getting saved and becoming public enemy number one 
in the minds of the Jewish people as a minister of Jesus Christ because they saw him as being a great threat. Paul says, this makes no sense. If I was teaching what you guys are teaching, the Jews would have no problem with me. And to put an exclamation point on this, Paul says there in verse 12, I could wish that those who trouble you would even cut themselves off. What is he talking about? I'm not going to get too graphic here. (laughs) But remember, the whole issue, it's about circumcision. And if you don't know what circumcision is, Google it later, all right? But when he says... I would wish that those that want to go and, you know, all be about certain, I wish they would just cut themselves off. I'll read it to you the way Eugene Peterson puts it in his paraphrase, and this will make it very clear for those of you who might be a little confused. He says, why don't these agitators, obsessive as they are about circumcision, go all the way and castrate themselves? That's what he's talking about. And you're going, is that in the Bible? (laughs) Yes, that is in the Bible. That's the point. And with this dramatic conclusion, Paul has made a point really, really clear, and this is it. Legalism is no small matter. Legalism is a big deal. And what we've been seeing as we've been working our way through the book of of Galatians, week after week, that Paul is telling us legalism is dangerous because it takes away our liberty and puts us back into bondage. Because if you're going to try to keep the law, you've got to keep all the law. Legalism is dangerous because it makes Jesus and the work of Jesus no profit to us. Because if I can be saved by keeping the law, then Christ didn't need to die. It's dangerous because it puts us under an obligation to keep the whole law. Can't just keep part of it, got to keep the whole thing. It's dangerous because it makes us focus on things that are irrelevant. And as we're seeing tonight, it's dangerous because it keeps us from running the race that Christ has set before us. So in light of how serious all this is, it's no wonder that Paul would say, I would wish those who want to take you down that road that they would just cut themselves off. Because Paul was a champion of freedom. Now let me ask you this question tonight. Where do you stand on this issue of legalism? I want you to think about that for a moment. Have you allowed yourself to come under legalistic ideas? Have you allowed your Christianity, your Christian walk to be hindered? Have you brought things into your life that are not biblical? That's not what the Bible says, that you said this is the way that it is. We have to be so careful of that. Now, now let me just pause here for a minute and make something very, very clear. It is not wrong, say this again, it is not wrong for us to have personal convictions. There are certain things that the Lord has made it very clear to me, Rob, this is not to be a part of your life. It's personal. In Hebrews chapter 12, it talks about running the race and laying aside the weights 
and the sin that so easily ensnares us. Okay, Sin we get, right? Sin are the things that are black and white in Scripture. God says, don't do this. He says, make sure, if you're caught up in that, lay that aside. But then he mentions these things that are weights. What are weights? Weights are are gray areas. Weights are things that that maybe something is a weight for you. It hinders you. It weighs you down. But it's not a weight for somebody else. There's been things that God has showed me for my life personally. Hey, Rob, this is wrong for you. Book of James says to him who knows the right thing to do and doesn't do it to him it is sin. So for me to violate what God has said to me, this is not to be a part of your life, is that would be sin. To him who knows the right thing to do and does it, it, it is sin. Or doesn't do it, it is sin. So there are things that God has said, hey, this is not right for you. This is wrong for you. But it becomes a problem when I want to throw that on you. When I want to say, hey, if I can't do this, you can't do it either. And that's what often happens in legalism. It's like I said in the very first week. Legalists, it's like misery loves company. And so, hey, if I can't do this, you're not going to be able to do it either. And that's when it becomes a problem. And so we have to ask ourselves. I want you to to really think about that tonight. Are there things in your life that God has said, hey, this, this is not a sin, but it's wrong for you, and you're putting that on everybody else around you? That's legalism. That's getting into a legalistic type of mentality, and that's a problem. Now, as Paul moves on, He wants us to understand this very important truth about our freedom in Jesus Christ is that we have been set free, but get this, our freedom carries with it a huge responsibility. Look at verse 13 again. He says, for you, brethren, have been called to liberty. Only do not use your liberty as an opportunity for the flesh, but through love serve one another. For all the law is fulfilled in one word, even this, you shall love your neighbor as yourself. But if you bite and devour one another, beware, lest you be consumed by one another. Paul says, look, we are free. We're free in Jesus. But do not use your freedom as an opportunity for the flesh. In other words, the mentality shouldn't be I'm free, I can do whatever I want. No, there's standards in the Bible that we have to follow. There's things that are clearly sin. But the mentality also shouldn't be this, and this is the point that Paul's gonna drive home here. It shouldn't be, hey, I'm free to do whatever I want to do no matter who likes it or doesn't like it. You see, what Paul's telling us here Don't miss this. We are free to live by a higher law, and it's the law of love. Look at verse 14 again. For all the law is fulfilled in one word, even this, you shall love your neighbor as yourself. Somebody said to ask Jesus, what's the great commandment? His answer was, you love God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength, and love your neighbor as yourself. That's what he laid out. You love God with everything that you have, and then you love your neighbor as well. Now, in Romans chapters 14 and 15, and 1 Corinthians 8 and chapter 10, 
Paul shares what this following the law of love looks like. And I'm going to paraphrase this for the sake of time tonight. But in the, in the early church, one of the issues that they were struggling with, especially in the Gentile cities, was should they eat meat that was sacrificed to idols? And there were those who had come out of that lifestyle who thought, no way, man, we shouldn't have anything to do with eating meat sacrificed to idols. And Paul, as he lays out in Romans 14 and 15 and 1 Corinthians 8 and 10, as he lays out this, this debate, as he lays out this, this analogy, he divides the people into two groups, the mature and the immature. Now, the mature person is the one that he says is the person who understands an idol's nothing. An idol's just a piece of wood. It's just a piece of stone. It's not alive. There's, there's nothing to it. And so there's, it's not a big deal to eat meat sacrificed to idols because they would take the, the meat from the temples and the leftovers, they would go sell it in the, it was called the shambles. It was like the outdoor market and you could get that cut of meat at a really good price. So those who were like looking for the bargain would be like, sacrifice to idols? No big deal. That's an awesome looking piece of steak. I'm gonna buy it. An idol is nothing. But the immature believer and some of them who came out of that lifestyle were like, no, 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 man. If, if we, if we're, am I, that's like we're participating. We're, we're giving credence to this, the sacrificing of idols. I want nothing to do with that. Now, here's what's interesting about this. We would actually think the opposite to be true, right? We think the person that was like, man, I'm too holy to have eat meat sacrificed to idols to be the one who was mature. Paul says, no, 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 no. That's the immature person because he doesn't understand. The idol's nothing. The mature one is who understands his freedom in Christ. The mature one is who understands that the, it's not a big deal. It's just a piece of meat. But Paul doesn't command, and catch this, listen to me. He doesn't command the immature believer to grow up. Come on, guys, grow up. Get with the program. Understand, the, the idols, no, he doesn't do that. No, his instruction is to ma the mature brother who understands his liberty to practice love by not flaunting it. And he says basically this. I'm summarizing, paraphrasing. He says, if you know that a, it bothers a brother, don't eat that meat in front of them. Don't try to convince them that what they're thinking is wrong. Love says, I'm going to prefer my brother above myself. And Paul goes so far as to say this, and if necessary, I'll never eat meat again. I'd rather never eat meat again than cause one of my brothers or sisters to stumble. And I'm so glad that's not our issue today because I love eat, eating meat. I'm a meat eater. But that was the issue there. So here's the law of love. The weight is put on the mature believer to walk in sensitivity toward the weaker brother or sister. We are free and we are called to walk in love and that's the culture that's to be cultivated 
in the church, in the body of Christ. Freedom to prefer others above myself. And you know what? There's joy when you do that and you know this honors Christ. I'm willing to sacrifice for the sake of my brother or sister. And I know that this honors Jesus. And when everybody's doing that, man, it's, it creates a culture that is relaxed and joyful and not hung up on secondary issues. So on matters, catch this, that are not about doctrine, we're to show grace and love. Now, on matters of doctrine, we're rigid. No, this is what the Bible says. You want to start going against what the Bible says about salvation and what Jesus has done. Doctrinal things, we're rigid on that. But on secondary issues, hey, I'm just simply, I'm to love, I'm to simply agree to disagree. Not making a big deal about something that isn't doctrinal. And I'll let you guys fill in the blanks about things like that that are going on in our world today, in the church today. Maybe you can talk about those in your groups tonight. But here's the thing. Last thing I want to leave you with. Verse 15. He says, this is this. If we don't do this, if we don't follow this model of understanding that we're called to freedom, and in our freedom, we're called to live and walk by a higher law, the law of love. If we don't do that, here's what happens. Verse 15. But if you bite and devour one another, beware lest you be consumed by one another. So instead of impacting the world, we end up destroying ourselves. So we need to keep the main thing, the main thing, and the main thing is, let me hear it, church, Jesus. That was weak. We need to keep the main thing, the main thing, and the main thing is, church, Jesus. Amen. Let's pray. Father, we love you. We thank you, God, for the freedom that we have in Christ. We thank you, Lord, for the fact that you have have saved us, that you have done the work. And Lord, I pray that you would help us, every single one of us here, to know and understand the freedom that we have in Jesus, but also, Lord, to understand the great responsibility we have to allow our lives to be moved by a higher law, a higher law, the law of love. And so, Lord, I pray as we gather around in circles tonight and discuss and share. I pray, Lord, that you would bless these conversations in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.